Thank you for joining to listen to our Sermon of the Week. For this particular audio, we had to pull from our Facebook Live because of our computer issues. So bear with us, but it should be clear enough to listen. Thank you for joining for this Sermon of the Week. We get to walk with the God of the universe. I just sense his joy and his pleasure. He's like, I love when my kids come together to celebrate. Celebrate me, celebrate who I am, what I've done. You know, the presence of God, he's everywhere, right? Omnipresent. But there are degrees of special presence where he manifests himself in a unique way. We have cloud by day, fire by night. We have examples where the, the, the temple was built and, and the priest couldn't even stand under the, the presence of God. There's the robe, the train of his robe that Isaiah saw where the presence of God, the train of his robe came, but it kept coming and it kept coming and it kept coming. It's his manifest presence that knows no ceiling. Wherever two or more are gathered together, there will be. Is he not with you if there's one of you? Surely not. But there's an increase of his manifest presence. Now what happens when a whole group of people come together, stranded together in unity, seeking his face? What's possible? What is possible? Where we, we are hungry to engage with his word, we take the time, we keep day by day pursuing him, and it's like adding fuel to the bonfire. You guys know that this is a bonfire in the city of Los Angeles. If we could see in the spirit what God is doing in this place. I want you to know, as a pastor, I get to hear day by day, week by week, Lives that are changing from engaging with the living God. It doesn't take years and years. I'm talking weeks, months. People come come in, maybe lukewarm, not really knowing where they're going, and just engaging with God and with community and with His Word by the Spirit. They're changed in a matter of months, transformed. This is what we're after: true transformation in our lives. So let's, so let's dive in. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> There's some messages that we preach that are for some people. But this message is for every single person here. It's for all people. It's the message of the living your calling for every single one of you. There's a lot of confusion about this area of calling in our lives, and people often are in a place of great confusion and frustration because of it. How do I find out um, who, who I am and how I'm uniquely made? Where do I find joy and purpose and meaning? How do I give back to the people around me? 
we get, we get stuck sometimes. But let's read from 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. But the last word of verse 8 is God. So that's the starting point. God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, which has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Someone say amen. Amen. Come on. There are tons of believers who know that they're saved. I could probably interview any one of you, and most of you are like, yeah, I have, I have a, a certainty that I'm saved. That, that alone is a work of the Holy Spirit. But a lot of people don't have a confidence or even an awareness that you are also called. If you are saved, you are also called. You might not know it, but when God saves us, He also calls us. And Paul tells us that it's a holy calling. The calling on of your life is not just a casual calling from the Lord and therefore shouldn't be treated casually. It is a holy calling. It's meant to be treated with the utmost respect and honor and reverence to the Lord. And it's better than any physical thing that we could try to walk in. I want to tell you a second about my own calling. I love what, what Philip just shared about 10 years old. When I was about eight or nine years old, um, my, my mom also was a, a singer, and so we were at this big conference where she was singing, and I was just a kid, eight or nine. And they were, they were doing this whole message about missions and feeling called to ministry. And right there at the altar call, they said, if you want to give your life for full-time ministry, we invite you to come forward. And I tell you what, the Spirit of God came upon me so strongly that it was like a hook from my gut that pulled me to the front. And there I was as an eight or nine-year-old kid, sobbing with the presence of God moving through me, surging through me. All I could describe it was like a waterfall of His power and love falling upon me and a stirring up of that same love from within me. And as there was a collision of that moment, I knew God's like, Tommy, I want your life for full-time ministry. Will you follow me wherever I take you? Yes, God. Yes, God course. And I thought I was going to be overseas somewhere. You know, I, I was planning to get one of those cool little yellow planes and fly into the jungle. And, you know, <laughs> we're in a very different jungle here. Um, the wildlings of LA are, are a fierce, a fierce Wild. people. And, uh, here we are. And my calling to Los Angeles, I was a ministry school student up at Bethel um, in 2010, and in between my first and second year in that program, I came down to Los Angeles. The Lord had already been stirring in me the focus on cities in the U.S., and that I don't have to be just a guy that goes to a country and, and you know, take, take my time that way, although if, God, if that's what God's saying to do, by all means, go and do it. But for me, it was highlighting cities in the U.S. And so that's all I knew at this point. But I, I came down to visit one of my old roommates that lived here in L.A. And I was here for about five or six days. And sleeping on the floor, you know, as a ministry school student. It's like, <laughs> grab a pillow and a blanket and you're on the carpet. So the very first night, I just finished the program. 
first year, came down and there was a house party over in Sherman Oaks. A nice house party with a whole lot of actors. And you guys all know exactly what that's like. So I sat down trying to make conversation and, uh, hey, how's it going? Um, nice to meet you, this guy. And uh, he, he was a little, a little too cool for school, okay? A little too cool. And uh, I was like, oh, so what do you do? He's like, actor. I'm like, cool. I, I, I didn't know actors then. So I was like, what kind of acting do you do? I know now that's not really like a good question. So we were like, really? Oh. Okay. Um, what kind of acting do you do? He goes, adult. And, and I'm just like, take it, take it, take it. Take it, take it. Okay. Oh. okay. I'm thinking like, yeah, I'm not going to be shocked by anything around here. You know? He's like, just kidding. <laughs> All right, bro. Uh, what do you say after that? So anyway, what are you working on? Um, you know, there it was. So I was like, you know, I just finished school. I was like, I'm going to ask the Lord for a word for this guy. I was like, well, let's cut through this chit-chat. <laughs> and so I said, hey, I feel like the Lord is, is saying this to you. I tell you what, he froze in his place. He turned white as a ghost. He rolled up his sleeves. And what I prophesied was tattooed verbatim onto his arm. This man had acted in a horror film. As, as a murderer in a horror film, and he had become demonized. And he is planning to take his life in 10 days' time. Wow. He had it on the calendar, ready to take his own life. He couldn't get free from this demonic presence in his life. So I stayed up with him until 3 in the morning, led him to the Lord, led him into freedom. He got free. Light returned to his eyes. He said, Hey, you're, you're sleeping here on the floor. I live across the way. Just we've got an extra room. Come stay over here. Sure. So all of a sudden, you know, I've got a, I've got a, my own Airbnb for free. And uh, people are coming over. He's like, Hey, that, that thing you did for me, do, do that to him. You know? There's a little hunger switched from too cool for school to. Too hungry for more. Thank you. <laughs> Too hungry for more. All right. So I was like, this is a fascinating place. A lot of people have masks. A lot of people are trying to keep composure. Yeah. But underneath the surface, there are these broken puppies. Yeah. And uh, I was walking to my car in the middle of the week. Did that honk when I said car? If there's any more context clues, I'll appreciate it. I'll be really happy. It's too good. Alright. I'm going to try to keep it together, guys. Alright. Walking walk in my car in the middle of the week, and I got literally like a zip file download from the Lord. And I, I heard it with the phrase, your home, and it was like, boom, boom. And I saw a vision of 
being here in Los Angeles and what God was calling me to do here, to plant a church, but also to be a bridge builder and one that was encouraging people here to be missionaries through the airwaves to the ends of the earth. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here. So there's these moments. I love supernatural moments like that. Not everyone's calling might be fireworks, but I'm telling you, God will uniquely speak to you into your particular calling. And then we have to steward that calling and walk into it. There's something really special about calling. It becomes this central thrust of your ministry. It's the focal point, the core of what you're meant to do and focus on. A lot of people kind of call calling or mission or there's different names for it. And some people say, um, I even heard someone say yesterday uh, that, that everyone has the same calling, we just have different assignments. And to a degree, there's areas of which we are all called. We are all called to be priests before the Lord, priests before the world, right? We minister with the ministry of reconcili reconciliation wherever we go. So that is a unique, that is a calling that is upon each and every one of us. We are all called to be sons and daughters. We are called to be those that, that live bringing the kingdom of God and seeing the expansion of that. So that's the bigger calling and mission, a lot of which I hit the last couple times I preached. But what I want to focus on today is our unique calling, our unique calling in each and every one of our lives. When you're living out your calling, or you're on the journey to it, you're kind of like a duck that's in the water. It's, it's kind of effortless, it's flowing, you're in your element. But when you see a duck come out of the water, and it's on land, it looks a little clumsy waddling around, doesn't it? And some of you right now feel like a little chubby waddling duck on land. That's okay. I'm going to help you get into the water. But it's important for us to be in our calling and not step out of the boundaries of it. That's why it's so important for each of us to know the area of which we're called to. And so my desire is that we can all be in Christ, operating in our best version of who God has called you to be. 2 Timothy 1.9 God who saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And some translations say, before time began. Before God created the mountains, the oceans, the little sea monkeys, the lemurs of Madagascar, before time began, He had a plan for your life. You are not an accident. There's a divine plan and purpose for every believer. It, doesn't, it didn't begin when you were conceived. It didn't begin when you were born. This started before creation. He foreknew you. And he has a plan and a course for your life. And this specific and intentional plan is for every single one of us. If you really knew how incredible his unique plan was for your life, you would never struggle with comparison a day. You never struggle with jealousy. You never want to be anyone else or live anyone else's life because
because you would be so enamored and thrilled at the unique call that God's placed on your life. But the scripture here also tells us that fulfilling our call is not according to our own works. Your calling will not happen just based off of what you can do in your own strength. You can get all of the expert training in all of the world and still fall short of your calling if you're doing it in your own strength. And God tends to place us intentionally in places that we feel very unqualified. Why does he do that? Here's the reason. He doesn't want us to rely on our own abilities. Let's go. It's not according to our works. It's according to his grace. And some of the greatest heroes of the faith throughout history and throughout scripture are those who originally were extremely weak and felt disqualified, but the call of God was upon them. You can rattle off their names, Gideon or David or Mary or Peter, just to name a few. Just looking at the natural circumstances, you wouldn't say, this man Gideon is certainly called to greatness or to leadership. But that's the thing about grace. Grace can't be earned. You can't get grace by working for it. Grace and works are mutually exclusive. But when your strength and ability end, that's where God's grace begins. If you can do it in your own strength, why would God need to give you grace? But if you're in a place and posture that God wants you to do something, but you're like, I, I cannot do this in my own strength, then you have to choose to depend on his grace. And that's what he's longing for us to do. He saved us, called us to a holy calling, not because of our own works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. If we can even begin to let this verse sink in and take hold of it, take root in our lives, you will never for a moment struggle with any kind of insignificance. You will know just how important you are. One of the greatest problems in the world today is self-esteem. People have no idea how much they're worth to God. And when you struggle with low self-esteem, it's almost impossible to even picture what your true calling is. And the enemy, this is the enemy's plan. He wants you to become obsessed and not be able to see out of that place and to see with those incorrect lenses and to remove any kind of purpose and destiny from your life and keep you trapped in those lies. But if you're a believer, if you follow Jesus, you should be the most free in areas of self-esteem. You should be confident in what God calls you. You should be secure in walking this planet saying, I've, I've got a reason to live. I have a unique purpose. Nothing that the world says, none of the opinions of man are going to get me down because I have a confidence in the voice of my Father. So how, much, how do you find out how much you're worth? Well, how much does a carton of eggs cost? $10. If I had asked this a couple months ago, you may have said two, three, four dollars, six if we're at Erewhon. But today, in the middle of an egg crisis, people are paying 
10 11 dollars for eggs. <laughs> what is this about coming to? It's almost a dollar per egg. How much, how much is an egg worth? It's worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it. How about, how about a house? Let's say a 2400 2, square foot house, three bedrooms. How much is it worth? That is the best follow-up question, and that's my point. Because a three-bedroom, 2,400-square-foot house in the middle of Fargo, North Dakota, is going to be a very different cost than over here in Beverly Hills, isn't it? It's a very different cost than in Rancho Cucamonga. It's, it's going to be different wherever your setting is, and what the interiors look like if it's renovated. But really, we could, we could hypothesize what these things are worth, but a house is worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it, isn't it? Really, I mean, there's bidding wars, it gets out of control. But if we meditate on this verse of what our worth is to God, because that's really the question. What is our worth to God? If you want to find out your worth, look at what God was willing to pay for your life. What did he pay? What did he pay? The infinitely valuable blood of his own son. If we can meditate on the cross and receive that truth and think about the glory of the blood of the spotless lamb and that every time you think about the cross you have a revelation deeper still of how much you are worth to the Father. Those layers of self-esteem are going to be healed real quick. Let's meditate on this, dwell on this, think about the cross time and time again, realize how valuable you are to the Father. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of your own works, so that no one may boast. Even your own salvation didn't come from your own faith. God gave you the faith supernaturally. There's a man named Derek Prince. I love his teaching. I, I was inspired by him a lot through this. But he, he's a smart man. He, you know, could be teaching at the big institutions in the UK, whatever it might be philosopher, intellectual. And so when he's hearing the good news of Jesus and he's hearing the story of salvation, he's like, this is, this is nice, this is good in theory, it's impressive. I'm just not at a place where I can believe that and own that. But he says years later when God got a hold of him and he, he actually came into the belief of Jesus as the Son of God, the saving power from sin and death, the resurrection of our God and how he makes us new. He says, I had no place to boast because I knew this was not my own doing. This was a gift from God. This faith was a gift from God. It says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. Workmanship. We are God's workmanship. This is not a stiff word. You are not God's chess piece. You are not God's workmanship, like a robot. The word workmanship is the Greek word poema. This is where we get the word poem. We are God's poem. Guys, we gotta get a little sentimental for a moment. We're God's poem. We're not just another human being workmanship. When God thinks of your life, he looks at you and he looks at your calling like a poem. You're his creative masterpiece and you're created in Christ Jesus. When God wants to show the angels and he wants to show all of creation his power and he wants to show them, you know, he wants to see what I can do, he looks at lives that are roaming around the trash heap and says, look at them. Look how much I love them. Right where they're at. You want to see what I can do with a life? Let me show you the poema of this person. And he pulls us out of the ashes and out of the trash heap and places us into the light of his son and says, angels, take note. Look what I can do. The power of the blood of Jesus. True redemption. You are God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We don't have to concoct something or some sort of meaning or purpose ourselves. We just have to lean in and discover with God what are these good works that you've prepared before, beforehand for me to walk into. And to really find out your call and to walk in it, it takes a posture of God, whatever you want. That's really the cry that needs to come from your heart. God, whatever you want. God, whatever you want in my life. In the long run, when you live with this posture, it always pays to trust God. There's going to be these giant steps of faith. There's going to be a lot of risk. There's going to be a lot of uncomfortable situations. A lot of crazy trust is going to be needed. But Jesus says, if you will lose your life, you will find the life that God has for you. If you will lose your life, lay it down, then you will find the life that God has for you. And that life in God is going to be exciting, it's going to be challenging, but it's going to be rich and fulfilling and be full of meaning and purpose. And you're going to leave a legacy with your life. When you look back, when, here's a song I love, when it's all been said and done, it's like this Irish song, but it's this whole thing about like, looking back, when it's all said and done, did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you, God? Are, are we looking back at our life and we're saying, I just want to live, live a legacy of simple obedience to following God. I want to live a legacy of someone who always returns to my first love. These are, the, these are the things in the economy of heaven that really matter. You're God's workmanship, made for something unique and special. And you're not going to feel satisfied until you discover what that is and begin to walk in it. 
And so the best place to turn to in all of Scripture, in my opinion, to discover what God wants you to be and the steps together is in Romans 12, verse 1 through 8. Let's turn there. Romans 12. This is where we can discover together what God wants you to be and the steps together. Verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Whenever you see, therefore, verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore. This is a classic little phrase. Whenever you see in Scripture, therefore, you got to find out what it's there for. <laughs> You clever, you won't forget it. Okay? It's an important word in scripture. Therefore, therefore what? Oh, we gotta look back. Okay, chapters 1 through 11 are, are, are some of the greatest masterpiece in all of scripture where Paul is taking logic and theology and unfolding the eternal plan of God for the work of salvation in our lives. Romans 1 through 11. So he's saying, the gospel and the theology of the gospel, that entire thing, that is all there and beautiful and we can gaze on it. Now, therefore, and this is the switch. Therefore. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to respond? I appeal to you, therefore. Paul's basically like, can we all just take a moment and get down to the nitty gritty? What do we do about all of this? And the response is a response with our body. Therefore, I want you to respond with your body. I want you to place that body on God's altar as a living sacrifice. Why does Paul say a living sacrifice? Because he's contrasting it with the sacrifices of the Old Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, there were all sorts of animals that were killed and offered on the altar. And he's saying, I want you, you to place yourself on the altar of God, but one who is alive in Christ. This is the response that God is asking of us, that we give ourselves fully to him, a living sacrifice on his altar. And Jesus, in his teaching, is clear that sacrifice doesn't sanctify the altar. The altar sacrifices, uh, the altar sanctifies the sacrifice that's placed on it. And to sanctify is a big word that means to make holy. And any one of you that's been involved in any kind of sin and darkness, I know in the room that there's individuals that have, have maybe even still dabbling in occultic practices. You're trapped in cycles of sexual confusion, difficulty, addictions. Wherever that shame and that darkness seems to be holding on, even if something happened days, months, years ago, and you still have a guilt and a shame that holds on to you where you feel dirty and you feel like you're still clothed and whatever you do, you try to wash yourself and can't get clean. This, this is the person that God's speaking to. 
Is there any hope for a body that is smeared by so much dirt and garbage that they could ever become a pure and holy body? Yes. Place yourself on the altar. The altar will sanctify what is placed on it. We look back at all of the things that we, we wish we would have done differently. But we don't have to remain stuck in that place. Don't stay stuck in self-condemnation with regret and with shame. With the Holy Spirit, place your body on the altar and let the altar sanctify you. The altar sanctifies the sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's our response. That is our worship. We give our worship in song, in adoration. We give our worship by giving our time and attention to God's word and opening it up. We give our worship by time and time again laying down our bodies on the altar. What are the areas of your life that you feel that, that prompting of the Holy Spirit and say, I've got to lay that down. This is my act of worship before the Lord. That's how he sees it. This is your act of spiritual worship, our response. Jesus placed his own body as a sacrifice once and for all on the tree. He bore our sins by the, by the crucifixion and, and our healing by the stripes on his back. And now as a response of those who have learned and received this love, we get to bring back our response of love and worship to him by giving our, our whole selves in total surrender before the Lord. God, this is your life. My destiny, my job, my family, my future plans. Every part of me, the things I'm aching for, I'm laying this down again at the altar. This life is not my own. This is yours. I was bought at a perfect price. But you do so, so gladly because you know just how loved you are. You know how good he is. And you know that you can trust him as you place yourself in his hands. From now on, I'm not going to decide... The work I do, I'm not going to decide even maybe the clothes I wear, where I'm going to be living, because I'm going to give my whole body to you. Paul goes on in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When you're putting your life on the altar before him in yielding surrender, the presence of the Holy Spirit comes in and transforms the way that you think. And you are renewed in your mind. Perhaps the biggest change when your mind is renewed is that your mind is moving from someplace that is self-centered to a place that is God-centered. In the natural, we go into circumstances and we say, what can I get out of this? What can I get out of this? Does that feel familiar to you, walking around Los Angeles? Going to the next house party, going to the next social gathering? What can I get out of this? 
It's in the air. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. How do you know that your mind's being renewed? You move of thinking about, what can I get out of this? To a posture of, what is God going to get out of this? There's a shift from being consumed with your own drive to get something out of relationships and situations to saying, this is all God's. It actually is going to bring immense freedom in your life. Immense freedom in your life. The pressure will be alleviated to the extreme. Because you're going into situations and into relationships and saying, what is God going to get out of this? And how can he be glorified? When your mind's renewed, you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You actually can't find God's will for your life until your mind is renewed. This is step number one. Place your life on the altar and let God renew your mind. With a renewed mind, then you will, you will find God's will for your life. And his will is a progressive will. Good, acceptable, and perfect. His will is good. God never willed anything evil for his children. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he knows what is better for you than you think you know for yourself. That's good. Yeah. You can trust him. He is yeah. good. He is giving an acceptable will. The more you discover this, the more you're going to be pleased with it. And it's his perfect will. God's perfect will will include every detail of your life. Every detail. The more that you walk with God, the more you're undone by how perfect and involved he is in every step. You find yourself in situations and it's unplanned because God arranged it. And that's where we stay connected. God, where do you want me to sit on the airplane? God, which coffee shop do you want me to go study at today? God, which friends are you highlighting in this season that I'm supposed to be spending time with? I I was planning this and I was convicted for myself. I was like, I need to be walking with the Lord in practice in this way. Some people, you know, it feels hyper-spiritual. They're like, I even ask God what, what kind of shoes and clothes to put on in the morning. Yes. And you're like, okay, I, I, I don't do that usually. Once in a while I do, I guess. But uh, what if we actually humbled ourselves and we're like, wow, that's good practice. I mean, we walked in today and I think there were four ladies wearing a blazer and almost the same clothes. Was it an accident? <laughs> we don't know. Maybe the Lord really was speaking something. You know, about covering. You know, women get ready for some business. I don't know. This is is getting out of control. Let's just go back on YouTube 30 seconds. All right. You find yourself in situations unplanned. But there's that, that walking in step with God. We have the joy to walk with God. You know that's the simplicity of our faith, walking with God? Yeah. That's really the simplicity of our faith. Adam walking with God in the garden. Are you living in a place of Eden in your life? 
just walking with God, listening to Him, enjoying His presence. So good, let's go. God, what do you want me to do today? Are there any promptings from you? Derek Prince is, is kind of highlighting next this next portion of Scripture, which I'm just going to touch on because of time. But basically, the next portion of Scripture, a little homework for this week, read the rest of the chapter. It talks about being members of a body. Members of a body. And so a huge part of finding your purpose, your destiny, your calling is being connected to a local church family. I really believe that. You know, I'm, I'm a little, you know, I don't want to be a salesman in that area because I, you know, I, I, I do believe in churches. You know, I gave my life for this. Um, but let me read what Derek Prince says about this. He says, you cannot find fulfillment on your own. A lot of Christians make that mistake. In order to find fulfillment, you must place your body, place in, sorry, you must find your place in the body and take your place. Amen. You can't just be a little finger wiggling on your own. You have to be attached to a hand, which is attached to an arm, which is attached to a body. And so the essence of finding your place or finding your calling is finding your place or calling in the body of Christ. And that's ultimately what, what verse 4 and 5 are talking about. We're one body in Christ, individual members connected to God together. So each one of us is an individual member but part of a body. And if you place your mind on the altar, you let the Holy Spirit renew your mind, you become postured in a place where you let the Holy Spirit move according to the measure of faith that's operating there, you find your place in the body and you find purpose there. And you're going to discover that the faith of God is given to you in those situations and in those places. And it's the exact faith that you need for every situation in every single world. So the very last portion of that chapter, Paul is talking all about some gifts. Gifts that God gives us. And even the word is charis, which is Greek for, for grace. He gives us these gifts as, as an extension of his grace. He says, you're going to need my grace for the role that I have for your life. Because you're not going to do it alone without me. And you're not going to do it alone without the local church family. You're going to do it connected. But you need grace to empower one another. We're made for community. We're, we're made to bring these gifts in a place where we're operating in them. Not jealous of the other person's gift around us but championing one another's gifting, calling it into being. And so Paul even gives some suggestion, suggestions in this, this passage. He says, if you have the gift of prophesying, if you have the gift of serving or teaching, encouraging, leading, showing mercy, he's kind of rattling off some ideas. Because he's like, these are areas in the church body that we need people to be gifted, to be connected and gifted in the body. To actually show Jesus to the world around yes. us. So seek the place that God has for you and depend on God for the gifts that are needed. What if you what if you all of a sudden are, you know, a couple months goes by and all of these people are meeting around you needing deliverance in their life? Yes. They're tormented, they can't get free. 
Perhaps you find someone that's already skilled in deliverance ministry, but maybe God is calling you into an assignment of deliverance ministry. And he is going to show you, bring you the hunger, bring you the tools and the people to become equipped to, to rely on his strength. He's going to know, hey, you actually need to be operating in words of knowledge for this so you know what's going on in someone's life. You actually need to be given the gift of discernment because you need to know what's going on and where they partnered with the occult. Whatever it might be, he will give you the gifting for your specific calling. And it's all part of the local church family and body. Now, this part is, I think, a little prophetic for the family. I think there's a lot of people here that have had callings on our lives. And through a matter of disappointment and time and watering things down, no matter what the circumstances are, we've started to lose grip of our call a little bit. And some of us just maybe are, are still floundering. What is, what is my call and purpose? And you know, I've spoken out some big things that we're all called to. Every single one of us is called to fulfill the Great Commission. So that's a great starting point. It's a great starting point. But it's also good and, and honorable and reverent to seek the unique calling that you have on your life. Yep. And I know that there's individuals here that have felt suffocated a little bit, have felt like, where are you, God, for this calling? Feels like season after season has passed. Where are you? I thought you said this thing. And I just want to speak for a moment about my, my own moments of frustration recently. Uh, living in Los Angeles, it is not for the faint of heart. And I found myself, especially this, this past year, really being hit more by the, the negative atmosphere of the city. The frustration of, of going to the beach and that just everyone's taking their sexy photos and they're... It's just everywhere. Like, self-obsessed culture. And I was done. I'm like, God, do you want me to shake the dust off my feet? It's, it's frustrating. I'm like, where are the hungry people? I know you guys are hungry. Hallelujah. I'm just being real because the enemy wants to take the moments where you question and the moments of your insecurity and frustration and amplify it. He's like, did he just make a little agreement with a lie? Hey, demons, tell me made a little agreement with a lie. Send the flies. And all of a sudden, it's like, you're in confusion. The lies are buzzing around, it becomes amplified. You know what I'm talking about? And I was like, God, I need you to speak again. I need you to give me a fresh love for this city. I've come, I've come here on assignment and mission. I've come here for a purpose. I want to see it take place, but I'm facing some discouragement with the atmosphere. And I, I'm asking for you to give me a new love for this city. Yeah. A new love for this city. We might not be the prettiest gem on the Southern California coastline, but God loves Los Angeles. 
Do I love Los Angeles? Not as much as God does. <laughs> we need to make an alignment. We need to make an alignment. God, I need a download by the Holy Spirit. I lay my life on the altar. Even if you're saying go somewhere else, I'll do it. I feel like you're saying plant roots here. But it's hard right now. I'm struggling. I need a fresh calling. Four of us went up to Jesus Culture Pastors Conference uh, a week ago. I forgot how good it is to not have to be up here doing everything and just to be in the audience and you can like worship before the Lord and be face down and not have to think about something's unplugged or whatever it is. <laughs> And there's a man named Corey Russell who just gave a fire word. Fire word, full of conviction. Just about the culture of prayer that needs to come back to the church. And the Lord was gripping my heart, and I, I, I knew. I was like, God, there's something to this word. There's weight on it. So, I mean, I wasn't alone. Everyone was rushing forward. We, we want and we're hungry for it fell face down before the Lord, just the Spirit of God came upon me. It just started that heavy shaking cry where you know it's like, I'm not even mourning something. I just know that God is, is doing a deep work and encounter through me. I just let Him move with power through my body. And He started showing me vivid 3D images and visions about Los Angeles again, about Hollywood, and about the areas that I had lost hope unpacking the visions that God was giving me. But it was so full of his might and power and presence. I was like, all right, God, these are some big visions. But I needed this fresh calling. I needed, I needed the uh, defibrillator to my chest. I needed the, the, the heart to come alive again where it become callous. I need a revelation of heaven's heartbeat for this land. And I'm like, all right, he's calling me here again. And it's time to put down roots even further. And I'm not kidding. He showed me boundary lines in the city, specific streets. And he showed me even how I was ruling in the spirit over the land and what I was holding and how the presence of God was released to my prayers and coating the atmosphere. He's a son. You're, just, you're not just a small man in this city. None of you are small men or women in this city. Rule with me. Pray with me. Let my presence cover this land. Let the, the domain of the kingdom rule once again over here. And I felt like God said, I'm, I'm, speak about the altar, but I want you to speak that every person is a walking encounter. Not only do we lay ourselves on the altar, and that is the posture that God wants us to be in, but he wants us to live as a living encounter in the world around us. 
he was bringing back memories of Obed-Edom. You know, in, in the book of Samuel, talking about the Ark of the Covenant rested at the home of Obed-Edom and everything prospered, right? Yes. He's like, what happens when my presence dwells among a city? What happens when my presence dwells among a household, yes. among a business? Yes. Everything prospers with yes. the kingdom. Yes. My people need to know that I am I'm a man of my word. And when I say that you are a host of the Holy Spirit and a temple of the Holy Spirit, I mean what I said. And they need a fresh revelation yes. that every single one of you is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Carrying the presence of God wherever you're going. You are, you are, are more filled with the lightnings of heaven than you understand. Yes. We are living lightning rods connected to heaven. Power and character is the fruit of just existing in God. Yes. So I actually want us to stand up for a moment. You are a walking encounter. Put your hands on your very core for a second. Let's say it out loud. I am a walking encounter. I am a walking encounter. That was a little sloppy. One more time. I am a walking encounter. I am a walking encounter. Much better. The power of God dwells within me. The power of God dwells within me. He longs to be released. He longs to be released. I don't have to do it on my own. I don't have to do it on my own. I won't do it in my own strength. I won't do it in my own strength. But I will do it by His grace. I will do it by His grace. I align myself to the call. I align myself to the call. To His purposes. To His purposes. Because they're good. Because they're good. They're acceptable. They're acceptable. And they're perfect. And they're perfect. Holy Spirit right now just start to move in lives. Move in our lives. Even right now, Holy Spirit, bring things to remembrance. Take the ceiling off. Take the ceiling off. Whatever we've capped, because I can't do that in my own strength. Take the ceiling off. Give us that perspective of a renewed mind. And even right now, even right now, many of you have never laid your life down on the altar before the Lord. And you're never going to go beyond a certain point in your life as a believer until you make that decision. And if there are things this morning that are, are actually connecting and making sense, they're pulling at your heart. If you're thinking this is something that's really real and important and something that I want to do. And you're saying, God, here I am. I'm putting my life on the altar before you. I'm putting my life on the altar before you. Because of what you've done, I'm surrendering my body to you. I'm allowing you, Holy Spirit, to renew my mind so that I can find your perfect will for me. I'm going to open up the altar in just a moment.
you've walked with the Lord a long time and you just need a fresh calling upon your life. You can identify with that frustration. Or whether you've never laid down your life on the altar before God and say, God, I want you to be my God. I want you to cleanse me from my sin and bring me from death into life. If there's any area of your life that you want to lay down on the altar, I want to give space. I feel like it would be an injustice to not give space up here. And there's this power when we partner with prophetic acts. Yeah. There's power released by the Spirit. And so I know it's going to get a little full up here, but if that's something that you want to do today, I'm going to invite you up. So just right now, come forward. Join me. God, this act as a church body. Can we be a whole family that's laying on the altar before you? Can we be a whole family that chooses to lay before you? Yeah, and say, burn upon us. Burn upon us, God. Have your way in my life. Have your way in my spiritual community. Have your way in my church family. Have your way in this city, God. Can you do this in our lives right now? The areas of frustration, God partnered with in any kind of way. I just give myself once again. I'm asking for a fresh call upon my life. Fresh call on purposes be released. And even right now, I just speak, Holy Spirit, would you release upon hearts and minds right now a fresh encounter? We need a fresh encounter right now. Holy Spirit, bring a fresh encounter of your fire and power on our lives. Bring visions right now, God. Bring visions right now. What you want to speak to the areas of longing. Speak to the areas of longing in our hearts and our minds, God.
then I need your saving grace. I need your life that was crucified and risen again. Come make me new. Save me from my sin. Save me from death. And bring me into righteousness to be washed clean to be made pure and holy to be made new to be made a son or daughter of God to live for eternity for you and with you I give you my life God fill me up to overflowing with your presence your power your goodness my God. So we just release right now the power of the blood of Jesus, the grace poured out, whatever you have need of right now. Grace poured out, whatever you have need of.
bless your name.